And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Welcome, everyone. So when we get rolling here in a little bit, this will be our post-game live chat, our Civilized Barking um, post-game discussion. I am in SoFi Stadium. Jason is back on the home front. The Browns lost again um, two in a row. They're seven and five, and uh, they're one of four seven and five teams. There are three wild cards, as you know. Um, you know, some strange stuff's going to happen, and there were some strange occurrences today, as there are most Sundays. Uh, but you get to ten, you're probably in. You don't get to ten, you're probably not in. Um, you know, th- those numbers might might change, and there might be some wild scenario. But um, today we saw Joe Flacco come in and play really well, and obviously the interception was crippling. Um, it really, Jason, puts, you know, a damper on a strong performance uh, by him, by the offense. They're right in the game until the last few minutes. And, and obviously to win these games, to win on the road, you're going to have to win the last few minutes. And you're going to have to be sharper. You know, penalties creeping up and the, and the defense get, still getting cooked by the misdirection. But um, let's just start with the most important position, the fourth starter of the year, a guy who was on his couch two weeks ago. Um, he's got to be your quarterback because to win three out of five, um, and I, I, though I had a fair amount of optimism, I mostly had no idea what to expect, Jason. I wrote that. I said that to you. I think I said it you know, in our Friday chat. Um, but I think you got to go with Flacco. I think he gives you a chance to win the three that you need to win. He was way better than I thought he could be, than I thought he would be. Uh, I do not have a list this week. I have my AirPods back in, so sorry to disappoint anyone who <laughs> we got a kick out of the list for the last couple of weeks. That's gone. Uh, Joe, it looked like an NFL offense. And yeah. it looked like, you know, third down, you're going to take a deep shot down the field. You had a quarterback. I know he's 23 or 44, but the accuracy you know is going to be there. You think it's going to be there going forward. Like it's for the most part, he's going to put it where it's supposed to be. And I was really impressed, Mar- much more so than I thought. I would be. Um, I tend to agree with you because I, I, I went into the week thinking Flacco for one, and then I'd go right back to the DTR if and when he's cleared, which he took such a big hit. It's not a foregone conclusion. He's cleared by next week anyway. Marquise Goodwin's been out a month with a concussion, maybe even right. longer. So it, it may be no choice at all if, if Dorian's not even cleared. But, you know, I mean, I, it's hard to watch that performance and say – at least for right now, Joe doesn't give you the best chance to win and ride the hot hand. And doesn't mean he's always going to play that well. And, you know, we saw Josh Jobs play really well for the Vikings for a couple of weeks and then the magic ran out. Flacco's, right. Flacco's better than Dobbs. You know, Flacco in his prime was better than Dobbs could ever be. But this obviously is well past his prime at 38. But I, I, I don't see any reason not to ride the hot hand with Joe going forward. Uh, just really disappointed by – the defense. This is this is a few weeks in a row now where they just keep getting gashed, and 
you know, the all-time elite historic numbers from a month or so ago seems to be fading farther and farther away. I don't know what it looked like in person, but a couple of times I thought, my God, just get a stop, guys. Just get a stop. Yeah. Well, I, I thought McVeigh and Stafford would be a step ahead of them. And there were some times um, early second quarter and, and one drive, I think, in the third. They were good. But it was hard to get pressure um, all day for both. Um, I think – you know, I think the Rams, I know for a fact that everything started with stopping Miles Garrett. Miles said the shoulder didn't affect him much. I, I doubt that. Yeah, that's but not true. They were just able to, you know, do what other teams have done, right? And the, you do it in your own way with Matt Stafford and with Sean McVay. But the misdirection, um, quarterback who's even a little bit mobile, the quick handoff on the motion, you know, the pre-snap motion. It's, it's the way you counter this defense. And this defense says we play one way, we play up the field, and we live with the consequences. And especially on the road, you know, here come the consequences. Um, as far as Flacco and first impressions, ball coming out quickly, ball coming out crisply <laughs> with gas on it. Um, you know, all, all except a couple times going where it's supposed to go, smart throwaways when, when he did have to get rid of it. Um, to come out and, and score on the first drive with a quarterback that hasn't been here is impressive. Um, only three times all year, Jason, have they had a quarterback throw for multiple touchdown passes, as scary as that is. And again, they're right in it. I mean, you you look at the numbers with five minutes to go in this game. Um, the Rams had better offensive numbers because it created more more big plays. But, you know, you would have said, okay, this game's going to the wire. And, and, and in a way, it did, right? Um, you know, the Rams did take control of the fourth quarter and then hit them with a couple exclamation points, obviously. But, um, you know, to unlock Elijah Moore is important. Now, obviously, uh, Mark Cooper went out with a concussion, and you're probably looking at um, not having him for a week as well, just just on how this has gone. Only a small handful of guys have not at least missed one game this year when they've had a concussion. Um, you know, If you do bring Dorian back, I think you can mix him in a little bit and give the defenses something to think about. Because here's the reality. Even with Joe playing as well as he did in, in unlocking, flat-out unlocking some doors that that previously were not unlocked with, with his arm strength, you know, it's still a fight here uh, for, for everything. Sure. And, um, you know, he's, he's not going to run away from people. He is going to struggle if you get in down or you get in third and must pass and they, br- they bring the heat on you. And, you know, this is not a team that has much margin for error. So look, I, I think that you could say, if he plays like that, you have a chance to win three of the five. Sure. If he plays like that and throws one interception every week, is it toss up? Yeah. And so you can't miss extra points. You can't have 75 penalty yards. You know, you can't be jumping off sides and be jumping on the, fir- on the fake pitch and watching some guy run the other way for 15 before you know where the ball is. And uh, again, some of it's going to happen. It's the NFL, right? But, um, you know, I-, I think in two games here, uh, and obviously the tone of the second game on this road trip was completely different because it was Flacco. Um, it was trying to keep up with Matt Stafford and all of that. I, I don't think the Browns put forth winning efforts. You know, the offense certainly was better today, right? But I, I just think from a sharpness standpoint, from a defense keeps getting beat on the same thing standpoint, and from the penalties keep popping up, even though Martin, Martin Emerson's penalty saved the touchdown realistically when he just tackles 2-2 at well, right? Um, it hasn't been good enough. And so, you know, you leave here, you have to win three of the five. And if they do it, I won't be stunned. And if they don't win again, I won't be stunned. I think it's, I think it's a in the middle somewhere. And by winning the turnover battle and actually getting people on the ground is 
is how you give yourself a chance to do it. Well, I'll be stunned if they don't win again. They, I think they got a couple in there that that they, they absolutely better win. Uh, but at some point, the injuries just become too much to overcome. And I, I, you know, we reached that point. It felt like we reached that point a week or two ago, and, and yet they still keep coming. You well, know, well let me, wait, hang on there. Like this isn't no excuse league, and I know for two years we've had excuses because the quarterback. Well, the rust excuse got thrown out of the window today. Absolutely. And um, again, but let's not go big picture here because this is just about finding a way to win three of the last five, regardless of how and regardless of who those come against, right? But like, no excuses. They have not had Nick Chubb since mid-September. You know, they clearly need Denzel Ward, and a big part of the game plan was to clearly attack the side of the field today, the left cornerback, whether it was Mike Ford or Khalif Halasi, and they had a lot of success doing it, including a second and long in the second half where, you know, somebody else, a starting quality corner doesn't get fooled on that. Mike Ford gets fooled on it. They go score. So um, this defense without Ward and Garrett is not, obviously, the devastating um, swarming unit that it was, and it's got to find a way to be more of it, whether those guys are in there or not, whether Miles is going to play at 80% or 50%. And I, and we don't know on Denzel next week, right? Um, he hasn't practiced in two weeks. He was not, has not been spotted on the practice field. Other than the fact that UCLA, you could see behind the practice field and you could see where the guys were who weren't participating that day, but he wasn't out doing anything. So, um, you know, that I, Obviously, injuries have hurt this team, but injuries are not going to be an excuse because they're not a contender anyway. They don't have their quarterback, and the offense has been a mess all year long for various reasons. But to get in and give yourself a chance, I can't. I can't take the injury excuse, right? It's you were seven and three. You got to find a way to be ten and seven. The what? What did you think of the penalty on Postic? I, I we never talk officiating, hardly ever. I don't know if they win that game anyway, but boy, that looked like a horseshit call. It was a total horseshit call. I'm glad you brought it up. You know, that's one of those when the TV is zoomed in and, and the announcers are discussing it. You're getting a lot more than sitting on the other side of the field, right, in level 700. Kevin addressed it after the game, and he basically said, they do not teach moving the ball, and they, he does not think that Ethan moves the ball. Uh, they're not interested in the four inches that could be gained from that. He said, but because of the Eagles and the tush push, and because of all the complaints and all the spotlight on that feels like it's been a point of emphasis for referees to over officiate that kind of play. And so he thinks that they decided that it moved that it didn't, that the Browns were trying to gain an advantage. He was adamant that the Browns were not trying nor expecting to gain any kind of advantage there. And so he was really frustrated and for him to address it directly when you know, he doesn't even acknowledge that it's Wednesday on fucking Wednesday. (laughs) Right. Then then that tells you he feels pretty strongly about that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I listened to his post game and he's, I think he did. He say they were throwing it anyway. Like it didn't even matter if he moved the ball up, they were throwing right. it. Right. That's what he's saying. He's like, yeah, we're not those, those four inches. We're not, we're not really interested in those. So look, when it comes to throwing it, um, you know, they need Elijah. Uh, what did Cedric Tillman have one or two catches today? You know, Harrison Moore had 12 targets. The, the real, yeah, it was a real NFL passing offense where the quarterback got to his second and third progression and the defense overplayed a certain guy or a certain read. And all of a sudden, your second tight end is cutting over the middle open, right? Like you play fake to Jerome Ford on the first drive of the game. The defense all flows the other direction and you throw it back. Like that's what it's supposed to look like. Um, without Amari, though, I mean, gosh, because 
Now I can't say he catches everything because he's been guilty in this this plague of drops too. But that's what it it just comes down to for me is just so many times the Browns are just doing things, whether it's getting flags or missing by an inch or not having the right guy in the right place, you know, and, and it, it hasn't been winning efforts because especially to win on the road and especially to finish here um, this season, you know, we know for various reasons that the last two Decembers and really Thanksgiving after have not gone well for the Browns. And if this one doesn't, they're going to miss the playoffs again. You know, and after that hot start, it seemed kind of unfathomable, right? Yeah. Um, you, you had a defense that's still probably number one in, in most things. Um, that's now, you know, mortal. And your ever-changing offense is like, looks like an NFL pass offense, and you're excited as hell about it. And I'm not downplaying that because, again, I, I feel like, and I'm going to go write this as soon as we're done before I go to the airport, like I leave here thinking that, that the offense can can finally do its part, right? But I don't know. And it seems like that the margin for error just in everything right now with, with non-smart football and, and guys getting caught leaning, caught, caught looking, um, it makes it even slimmer. It's funny because we're taking victory laps that the offense looks like an NFL offense. They still only scored 19 points. Yeah. But it, feel, but it feels like so much – I don't know. Maybe we're over overreacting to it, but it just feels so much. He, he, I just looked it up. He completed passes to nine different receivers. Have they had that all year? Nine. Yeah. I don't know if they've had nine completions in a game before. You know, in one other game, in one other game, they did. But yeah, no, that that to me, that's something I always look at of of when you know the quarterback is opening things up, right? And the old line, I thought, did a good job today, right? They had time. They know that Joe is not going to create with his feet, and especially Joe here on one week of prep. It's going to go first read, second read, and throw it, throw it away. He's going to be coached to do that, right? So the fact that they got through those, that they hit some, um, you know, that's encouraging. Um, you know, I think Joe just got a, a, a little greedy. Uh, I don't have his full explanation for the interception in front of me. They had been running the ball. I understand the frustration there. It sinks you. It just, it just did. Um, I don't sit here right now, two hours later, and feel like they were going to get enough stops, right, to to actually win it. But, you know, that that changed everything. And then that that's what allowed to get away from a game that, you know, could have gone either way in the last five minutes to one that stands as a 17 point win. It is fun. I saw you mentioned it earlier and I just saw a comment from Samuel Flacco read the game better than Watson has in two years. <laughs> How much should we talk about? Well, it's rust with Deshaun, And that's why the six games didn't go well. I mean, when's the last time Joe Flacco threw an NFL pass? Yeah, uh, last January in the season finale against Miami. Yes. So 11, 11, 12 months. Yeah, 11 months, almost 11 months exactly. It's looked pretty good. Or something, yeah. Not 500 yeah. days, but he still looked pretty good. Right, right, right. Um, and I'll just say this, you know, I, I don't know that you guys read every word or followed all week, but um, he came out, guys said the right things about him, that, that he was doing the right things. He They had a QBO line dinner their first night in L.A., and he was honestly meeting some of his teammates for the first time then. Right. Um, he said, like, on Wednesday's practice, he's like, of course, I know this. I do this. I've been on other teams before. I've, he's like, but I had to sit there in the huddle and hear myself say it to process it. Right. Wow. And this is what the Browns have gone through, plugging these different guys in mid-game and mid-week and all this other stuff. Right. So, um, you know, I just I, I think that he really impressed guys all week um, with what he was about, with the way he played today. And they do feel encouraged. and. You know, I, I kind of feel like I, I don't disagree 
strongly with anything I, I see in the chat. I understand people are frustrated. You know, um, the past game, the, the re- receiving options, the overall past game for multiple reasons is not good enough. You don't have your Pro Bowl running back. You haven't had him. And so you're moving the chains. You're setting up next opportunities, but you're just not scoring enough of them. And, you know, if they score 19 in each of the next five games, do I think they can win the three of them and get in? Yes. But do I know that? No. Whereas two weeks ago you just said yes because this defense is going to hold up its end. And so, like, where's Zadarius Smith? Not in the backfield a lot, right? Like, why? you know, the Browns play a lot of man, and that's part of the attack style. And quarterbacks are moving their eyes and slightly moving the pocket and launching it downfield, and they're getting interference calls, and they're getting big play opportunity. And, and on the road, too. Now, the good news is three, the three of the five that you need are at home. Um, that Texans game on Christmas Eve looms large, large, large. Yep. As a potential winner, winner goes to the playoffs, loser stays. But, um, you know, it, it is fair to worry about this defense's ability to adjust, to adjust, to hold up, and to make those plays. Because even in the games, Indy, for example, Seattle, for example, when it got it gave up some plays and they dug themselves the deficit, they came back and always made that huge one. And, uh, you know, not the last drive in Seattle. But it hasn't been the case the last two weeks, and teams have run away. And... You know, I'm not especially worried that Dustin Hopkins missed the point. I was just going to bring that up. I was just going to bring it up to you. It was bizarre, but like, you know, I, I think you're not going to know whether it's next week or two weeks from now. If you're in that last second opportunity, you're not going to know about Flacco and this offense and this kicker until you see it because you just there's been so much change that you don't know. And and for them to win it, they're going to have to win the last five minutes where they've lost them significantly in the last couple games. Uh, you want to take one of these people that are on the stage? Um, yeah, but you guys got to be quick here. Yeah, Zach's got to write. Yeah, I got to write. Matthew, you're up. Go ahead. Matthew, if you're here, go ahead. Fire away. All right, Matthew, going once. Right, looks like he's gone. Brandon. Brandon H., if you're there, go ahead. Fire away. All right, I'm here. I just have two really quick usage slash lineup questions. One, on defense, obviously it looked like Newsom struggled last week in uh, Denzel's spot, but it seemed like they went completely away from him on the outside. And then on offense, last drive, seemed like Pierre Strong was really kind of picking up, and they kind of went away from him completely after that drive. Yeah, so the Newsom thing was he did get beat on the outside. They want to move him back, and it's just how the Rams play. They felt like he was going to be more valuable there. And then the Rams' adjustment was to get rid of it quick and throw it out to the right flats and, and pick on whoever that third corner was going to be. The Browns rotated them through the games. So they had a real advantage. And I just think, you know, almost every counter, the Rams countered that with, with just getting rid of the ball quickly and taking advantage. And really, I think... You know, Nakua didn't play for almost the whole quarter. And between the penalty with Atwell and a couple others where Stafford just misses Nakua and one time misses a wide open cup like it could have been worse, they they shifted there. Um, Pierre Strong did come in. He hadn't been in. He hadn't been playing much at all. And he was fresh and fast. But I think that was just part of the rotation. Jerome Ford is this team's number one running back. And Ford came right back in. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I thought Strong definitely gave him a boost, right? And it's a shoestring from him scoring. Um, 
down there. But yeah, that I, you know, that's not like a huge concern to me. I do think down the stretch is strong and fresh and fast enough to to break a big play, and they need it. But of bigger concern is can Cedric Tillman or David Bell make some plays because we're still in the phase with Njoku where we just don't know. And with no Amari, that stuff's going to loom really large. Nakua, Nakua just absolutely scorched them, and the hold they got bailed out on the hold. Although it was, it looked like I forget now. I think it was Thornhill, whoever it was sold it with a flop almost. But he was held for a second on the shoulder pad. But regardless, the bigger concern is it. I, I guess you could say this about a lot of NFL defenses, but the speed guys just kill the Browns. How many yeah. times have we seen guys with just that one extra gear get out in space and just really hurt this defense? Right, right. And I thought it would be Atwell today, but they used Nakua in, in, in that role because those guys have given them fits, right? So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely it's an issue. And then, of course, Jacksonville next week has all sorts of weapons. Now, they yeah. do come here in a short week. And if you're going to play Jacksonville, you would rather play them in Cleveland at home in December than anywhere else. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, then you play the Bears, who you can beat, but you're going to have to, you know, J- Justin Fields, he'll throw it to you if you give him a chance, but he makes you defend every blade of grass. Yeah. And then Houston indoors. Now Houston lost Tank Dell today. He had been pawing, but man, they still got some guys. And and Stroud seems unfazed. And that will be like potentially a flex game, potentially a game where the loser can't get to ten wins, right? Or the loser ends up going to week eighteen, needing something else to happen other than just win. The Texans and Colts play each other in week eighteen. They're two of the teams that have the same record as the Browns right now. The Browns and the Steelers do too. So. Kenny Pickett's going to be out. Uh, is that even a downgrade? And they play the Patriots <laughs> on Thursday night. So, you know, we'll see. Um, guys, I got to write. And then I got I got to go to the airport. So thank you for tuning in. We'll, we'll have you covered back, you know, on the home front. And, um, again, to me, it has to be Joe Flacco. Um, you know, you, you have to. Again, another challenge for this play caller and play designer. Maybe we will see more of Pierre Strong because they're down a playmaker. Um, you know, I don't know what we're going to see from David Bell and Cedric Tillman, but as we've said all along, all heroes welcome, right? And uh, just got to find a way to, to to score some points. And this defense, you know, maybe getting back home will, will be the big boost that it needs. So thanks for tuning in. Talk to you guys soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.